Yeah, but the Pacific Ocean is inferior to the Atlantic Ocean. Oh, get out of here. Go home. The West Coast is the best coast. Washington, Washington, six foot eight weighs a fucking ton. Opponents beware, opponents beware. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Let me lay it on the line, he had two on the vine. I mean, two sets of testicles, so divine. On a horse made of crystal, he patrolled the land with the mason ring and trouser in his perfect hands. Here comes George in control. Women dug his snuff and his gallant stroll. Eight opponents' brains. And invented cocaine. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Washington. Hello and welcome to another POTUS Life. Today is June 17th. It's a Saturday. I'm hanging out enjoying the wonderful, beautiful sunshine. I tanned naked earlier in the backyard. Justin, I hear you're going through some some fun things. What do you want to talk about today? What's going on? Oh, it's hot in Ohio. Hot so in Ohio. Much. 2017. Global warming. Currently, I've turned over. my air conditioner off so that oh. it's not so noisy for this podcast. You're welcome. Uh, yeah, my my computer sounds like it's about to take off in the background, but there's almost nothing I can do about that. Hopefully we can fix it in post. That's what you guys say. You just got to say, we're going to fix it in post. Fix it in post. Fuck it. Do it live. Well, that's a fucking... Ch- I'll cheers you to that one. What are you drinking today, Justin? What's your drink of choice? Some, some bullet bourbon. Oh, good. Good choice. I'm drinking. I'm doing. So I did a little. I went. I went a little crazy, and I did some Half Moon uh, Gin, which is a, a New York distillery, and I put I put a little kombucha in there. You know, I think it's pretty Ooh, tasty. That's fancy. Yeah. Speaking of the speaking of the art, the way that we choose to imbibe on our show, I just wanted to to do a quick shout out to a audience member who has two first names. Two first names is always fun. So two two first names said that sometimes it's hard for him to follow us because when we get drunk and our audience members are not drunk, that can be a confusing place. To that I say, I can say two things. First of all, maybe we can fix that in editing. We'll fix it in post. You know, we'll fix it in post, but uh, maybe you're just not fucking drunk enough. I don't know. Take a fucking drink and listen to our show. We're not, it's not, this isn't, if you're, if you're listening to our show and you're over the age of whatever legal age you're allowed to consume alcohol in your country, fucking, I hope that you have a drink with us. Put this on, lower, dim the lights, dim the, dim the lights, listen to my voice, dim the lights, and just settle in. Settle in for a nice little ride with, with Justin and Ryan, you know? We're doing important work here. We're doing the Lord's work. Amen. So Justin, last week... And when I, when I say last week, I mean last episode, because most certainly the, we did not record a week ago. We tried. We really tried. And we failed. We failed you. We're sorry. The recording got all fucked up. Justin got angry, had to go murder someone, as you do. I don't think he actually did that, but I mean. I think we need to fix that in post. <laughs> I don't really have an alibi. <laughs> uh, fair enough. So last week. But if they can't find the body, can they try you? question mark apparently they can that that girl this week that got sentenced for 
assisting the suicide of someone because she's like, oh, it's yeah, going to be better. About that. It's going to be better when you're dead. So like I'm a 17, I'm an 18, 17 year old girl and I'm talking to you. You're 18. You're hot. I think you're hot. But you know what? You want to kill yourself. So like you keep talking about it. You won't shut up about it. You literally won't stop talking about it. So what do you do? You get a little gas powered engine and you set that thing off in your car and you sit in a fucking Kmart parking lot and you kill yourself. And then she gets charged with murder, which I think In, involuntary manslaughter. I think that's a little much. I think that's a little fucking much. I, mean, I don't know, but like I, I think that they went a little too far on that one. I mean, okay, so but she the was good, the good thing that came out of the the whole thing is that I know <laughs> I know now not to do that anymore. <laughs> Fair enough. You know, so enough. any of our, our listeners on the edge right now, don't do it. Don't do it. Call suicide. It gets better. Please don't kill yourself. Definitely don't. There are helplines. We are not one of those helplines. So don't fucking think about calling me because there's nothing I can do. Let me tell you that right now. Or maybe get creative with it. <laughs> I don't going I, <laughs> going out in a Kmart parking lot. <laughs> It just means that I wanna, you fucking suck. I want to pull a Kevin Bacon. And I mean, not that this has happened, but I think that this is what he wants to happen. Like, I oh, think like wild things. No, I think he wants to come when he goes. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I think he wants to come when he goes. He's I think he said that. I don't get it. Uh, I think he wants to. I think I think there's some hookers and cocaine involved. I'll put it that way. He wants to come. Come and then go. But those are two different things, really. Are they? Coming and can going? You, can you can you get a two for one? Can I go? Oh, I see what you're saying. Yeah. Not that come. No, not come. Oh, okay. Yes. Come and then go. Well, uh, yeah. I think we learned a lot about each other. <laughs> I'm not saying that's what I want, Justin. I'm just saying that's what Kevin Bacon wants. You know? And he was in Footloose, and so I think he knows what he's doing. That's all. Yeah. That's all. That's all I've got. But in other news, uh, I think that we should stop talking about the news. Oh, I do think we should. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Like, It's getting really difficult to talk about POTUS 45. It's just a, a real circus. Uh, it's almost not but real. But I think what we'll do is on the day that we record, we will read a little from Politico 45 which recaps the previous day in Trump's life. Here we go. Trying it out. From Politico, 45 After Dark, The Witch Hunt Edition, <laughs> by Henry C. Jackson. <sighs> June 16th, 2016. President Donald Trump is on the attack against his own Department of Justice. Starting with morning tweets that acknowledged he was the subject of an FBI investigation, Trump's Struck with a defiant tone today, he lashed out at the FBI and his own Justice Department for what he termed a witch hunt in a series of tweets that seemed to come out of nowhere. They came hours after Deputy Attorney General Rod Ronstein first. That's a okay. That's, that's a, a great name. name for sure. That, yeah, and so that's a Jewish porn star. <laughs> Rod Ronstein put out. An odd, vague statement about not trusting anonymous sources last night. Elsewhere in President Trump's orbit. Brand new. Should Rod Ronstein be fired or recuse himself? 
The Russia investigation would fall to a Rachel Brand, I like that, a Bush administration veteran who Democrats opposed because they said her legal rulings always sided with big business. It's no surprise there. Cast row. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, I like what they did there. President Trump rolled back Obama administration entreaties to Cuba, adding more oversight for Americans who want to visit Cuba and banning Americans from any activities that profit the Cuban military, which controls the majority of the tourism industry. And that's clearly a strike against Major League Baseball not being able to have more (laughs) Cuban baseball players. I'm going to need all your Cubans. I'm, but I'm talking about your cigars and your baseball players. And there's a there's a level of hypocrisy going around when you want to fuck up things for our relations with Cuba, but you're totally fine with how the Saudi royal family treats its subjects, or just fucking or kills everyone. Like Bahrain. They just, yeah, there's the list goes on. Really, fucking so this is funds not so ISIS. Much about. Yeah, yeah, that's really exciting. Be, I will say this about Cuba. First of all, the cars there are pretty fucking sweet. They have some sweet cars, like for real. Mainly because they haven't like been able to import a car since the 70s. So, I mean, like that's what fine. That's fine. But I'll also say I love all the pictures that you've been finding online of Cubans wearing American T-shirts. Have you seen this? I'm looking at a, I'm looking at a picture of a Cuban wearing an American t- t- uh, flag tank top. No. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm telling you, everywhere I've looked that's talking about this Cuba stuff right now, they have they're featuring photos of Cubans. One lady was wearing like this like tight, like Lululemon spank type situation going on of an American flag. So just big Cuban butt and like like really fit tone legs with the American flag just tightly painted onto them. It's all over. You'll see it. Oh, I'm seeing some of this. Yeah, yeah. It's pretty pretty nice. It's pretty all right. So, so is it like 1962? I think we've stepped back. I'll say this: the biggest uh, things in the news are Cuba <laughs> and Russia. Uh, well, so you know about the Doomsday Clock, right? Like how they, how like yes. these people set the Doomsday Clock. Like all these intellectuals and educa- educated folk, they set the Doomsday Clock. See Doctor Strangelove, if you will, and or Watchmen. You, yeah, and both. You should. I mean, Watchmen, I'll tell you this. Spoiler alert. Watchmen, you can see a big blue cock the whole fucking time. Have you read Watchmen or you just watched the movie? Uh, Just watched the movie. I'm sorry. You gave me Watchmen twice and I just left it both times. I'm sorry. I really got into the the, ex machina. Yeah. Ex machina is real good, man. And sex criminals. Sex criminals is also very fun. Uh, should we get to what happened last week? Let's do it. So last week we were talking about those Hudson River blues and basically how the British wanted to go up New York inside of that Hudson River puss. We lost two forts last week, both Fort Lee and Fort Washington, which as you remember was a pretty big fucking deal. George wept. George wept. I wept. It was it was a horrible thing. And then we also got to this little thing where a gentleman who was very close to George Washington by the name of Joseph Reed wrote a letter to Charles Lee, who was a major general for the Americans, basically saying that, hey, hey, Charles, I think that you'd be pretty good as a leader. And I think that you should go to Congress and ask them 
to let you be the leader. To which, a case of intercepted text messages. Well, lovers. yeah, because, I mean, George was fucking cool as a goddamn cucumber. And remember, he copied the letter. He didn't give him the actual fucking letter. He copied the letter, gave it to him with a little letter, with a little letter attached saying, hey, sorry I read that. This was none of my biz. My, my B. I'm so sorry that I did that. So George Washington apologized for intercepting messages between Joseph Reed and Charles Lee, who were writing each other, trying to set a coup for George Washington. They wanted him out and Charles Lee in. Well, interestingly enough, Charles Lee gets his fucking comeuppance, right? So on the night of December 18th, 1776, at an inn near Basking Ridge, which I actually kind of think that that's an interesting He gets time. caught like Robert Baratheon should have gotten he caught. Fucking got the stony sept caught. He was spending the night with women of what we like to call easy virtue, if you will. That women of easy virtue, quote unquote, making air quotes with my fingers right now. My kinds of ladies. My kind of ladies, too. And men. I was into them. And British Colonel William Harcourt, who was heading a team of 70 dragoons, which I, again, always make me fucking think of the Patriot. Colonel William Tavington. Playing Jason, I played by Jason Isaacs, which I actually I've been watching. I watch Rain. I'm gonna be real honest with you. It's which is like a fucking shitty teen drama, no joke. Like high what school. Is it called? It's called Rain, but Jason Isaacs is also in that. Have you watched the OA? Ooh, no. Should I watch that? He's yeah. in that. Ooh, and he... I take that back. I have. Well, I have seen it. It's really good. I'm really into it. Yeah, it's super weird. No, I'm, I like it. I think it's really good. I think it goes to some fun places. So anyway. Has Phyllis from The Office? Ooh, that's right. It does have Phyllis from... I was wondering where I knew her from. such a weird character to have. Yeah, but I feel like she's kind of typecast because she plays the exact same character, right? Mm -hmm. Like, she's she's pretty much Phyllis from The Office joins the OA, right? Like, except for she's a school teacher. Anyway. She learns some choreography. It's great. Yeah. So anyway, local Tories gave up Charles Lee's location. This Colonel William Harcourt surrounds the inn and the innkeeper who's described as what what you could call, I guess, a homely widow tried to conceal Lee above a fucking fireplace, which makes me think like, did she stuff him inside of the fireplace or did she pretend like, oh, no, that's just my stuffed human that I have hanging above the fireplace. No big deal. I mean, he looks like Charles Lee. Fucking yeah. But like, whatever. So... The fucking William Harcourt goes all dragoon on her and is like, fire the house and bonds, fire them. And so literally, no joke, they start literally shooting bullets into this inn. And Lee surrenders. He's wearing slippers and he has a nightgown on. It's winter outside, December 18th, remember? And the British wanted to degrade him as much as they possibly could. So they did not let him have a coat or a hat. He was probably fucking freezing his balls off. After all the shit he gave Washington, he was not able to save himself. I find this fucking fascinating. He ended up spending 16 months in British captivity. We'll obviously get to that later. But Washington was mad at the quote unquote, the effect of folly and imprudence, but he didn't have time to dwell. He felt a little relieved, probably, because Charles Lee was trying to fucking take his place. 
So he knew that without having to compete with Charles Lee, with the War Council, he was free to go ahead and do whatever he pretty much wanted because there was nobody else of military good standing that could actually come in and stand in his stead. He told a Massachusetts legislator, quote, I feel much for his misfortune and am sensible that in his captivity, our country has lost a warm friend and an able officer. And kind of a shitty boyfriend. Uh, kind of like, 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 hey, love you, but I'm going to, I'm going to text some other chicks on the side. Me and your fucking, me and Joseph Reed, your homeboy, your boy who you're telling every secret to, we're texting, we're sexting a little bit, we're getting into it, you know? So, New Jersey. With the invasion of Long Island and Manhattan, Jersey residents rushed to take the loyalty oath. The loyalty oath is basically the British coming in and saying, hey, New Jersey, why don't you, what we need you to do publicly in front of everybody is just say like, you like the British and like, you're going to do the British thing and the British are going to be totally cool. And Washington, unfortunately, picking was front runners, exactly putting on, you know, the New York Yankees. <laughs> yeah. So vowing uh, <laughs> not to put on. I'll never, you know, a Cleveland Indians cap. I'll never wear the fucking, I'll never, I'll never do it. I'll never do it. Moves to fucking Miami and abandons us. Anyway, Washington was expecting troops from New Jersey. Obviously not now. He wanted to make a stand against the British in Hackensack. We learn more about this situation from the letter to Jonathan Trumbull. Quote, but in this, I was cruelly disappointed. The inhabitants of this state, either from fear or disaffection, almost to a man, refused to turn out. No one would show up. Washington was crossing New Jersey to go to Pennsylvania. He needed to protect Philadelphia. The few thousand men that he had with him had very little supplies. They had worn shoes. They had to actually slaughter cattle for both food and to make themselves something to put on their feet or cover themselves selves with and this trip, yeah, i couldn't live without having like at least four pairs of shoes some some air jordans i feel you have a little tinker get, get you some nice air jordans going on the man who invented those i recently have, to have some brown dress shoes and some black dress shoes it's gotta be some it's gotta be on point some doc martin boots it's gotta be on point oh definitely the doc martin boots so this trek took five days when the men reached the delaware river washington lit fires into the night to illuminate the shuttle shuttle zones from both sides. Washington said of this night of his troops leaving New Jersey and heading to Pennsylvania, he that he was trembling for the fate of America, which and his of, fate. Well, right. I mean, so he he also felt he felt this news tightening, right? Like he knew that some shit was coming if anything went bad. And here's my question. Not to try in too much current events from today, but do you think that a man like Donald Trump would ever tremble for the fate of America? I mean, I think that's a... I think he would tremble for the fate of what he thinks America is. A.K.A., I mean, perhaps in my opinion, his business empire. Values. I have some American family values. I want to make America great again. I want to take away all the black people and put all the white people in charge again. I want to make America great again. You know, and that's nothing wrong Misa with that. Misa, big tremble over America. 
Misamana, make it great, great again. <laughs> so on this night, when Washington is trying to shuttle all these troops from New Jersey to Pennsylvania, we get an account from this man, Charles Wilson Peel. Remember, Remember? Peel painted the Washington family on earlier, happier times. But now, Peel was a soldier making this cross himself, which is pretty fucking, I think, tells the times. And he says that this is the most hellish scene that he has ever beheld. Imagine it's a lot this, different than throwing the bar. Right? Yeah, I mean, we long gone is the time of, of George just picking up a big fucking heavy stick and tossing into some water and having some men be impressed with him. Imagine the scenario, Justin. This, this is the scenario that Charles Wilson Peel, the painter, lays out for us. Quote from his journal. A man staggered out of line and came towards me. He had lost all of his clothes. He was in an old dirty blanket jacket. His beard and his face full of sores. Sores which so disfigured him that he was not known to me on first sight. Only when he spoke did I recognize my brother James. Fuck. Like, you know what I mean? Like, this dude Charles Wilson Peel is just, like, fucking finding his brother on the shore as he's, like, being transported across from New Jersey to Pennsylvania. Fuck. Like, I don't know. That just kind of a crazy moment. It is a crazy moment. So after all these guys move across over into Pennsylvania... George destroys every single boat that he can find within a 60-mile radius. He did not want to let the British easily cross from New Jersey, where they had basically pushed him to, into Pennsylvania and specifically into Philadelphia. He hid all the other boats, specifically these boats called Durham boats, which were a 60-foot craft used for hauling iron ore and freight. And they could be also a city in North Carolina that I was recently in. Fair enough. Uh, Did is that where they filmed? Is that where the field of uh, what is it? Field of Dreams, whatever it is. Is that Durham? Oh no, that's another one. That's Bull Durham. It's like Iowa. I'm thinking Bull Durham. I'm thinking Bull Durham. (laughs) I don't think I don't think that has anything to do with Durham, North Carolina. Could be wrong. (laughs) Haven't watched the movie in a long time. That was back when Susan Sarandon was considered hot. We're just throwing the word. Durham around a lot right now. It's pretty, it's hot right now. But later he would famously use these Durham boats, which again were these 60 foot craft used for hauling iron ore and freight and could also be steered in inclement weather by these ridiculously long fucking wooden oars. And uh, yeah, I mean, like these are famously used later in the crossing of the Delaware, which we'll get to. But I do want to mention that in the painting, the crossing of the Delaware, they're in like a tiny little fucking canoe and there's like a man from like every there's like 13 men are surrounding him in the crossing of the Delaware boat. And they all represent a different culture of the 13 colonies, which I didn't recognize this until fucking today. I was reading about it because I'm weird. And so that image that we have in our mind of the crossing of the Delaware, which is posted up on our Facebook page, uh, is totally different than what actually fucking happened because he would have, A, he was the last person to fucking go across, but also, B, the boats look different. Anyway, he hid these boats, and on December 8th, General Howe arrives with 12 
thousand men on the fucking other side of the Delaware in Trenton. So I kind of wanted to take a moment to describe the topology of the Delaware and specifically where the Delaware is in relationship to Trenton. So Trenton is about, it's a little ways north of Philadelphia, up the Delaware River in New Jersey. So Georgia's going to make all these assaults soon. We're going we're gonna to fucking get to it, but I want to lay it out for you. He's going to make these assaults and he's going to make these boat launches north of Trenton, around Trenton. And Trenton sits at the Y of both a little river that we're going to talk about later and, and the Delaware itself. It's like a, it's a Ying, it's a confluence of rivers and it's kind of sitting at the V. So that's kind of like, this is, this is where George is. So on one side of the Delaware in the South is Philadelphia, which is now being almost accosted by 12,000 men to the North of them who have just gathered in are strictly a frozen river, river walk away from coming on down into Philadelphia and taking fucking hold of their little little capital that they've got going on. However, Howe, General Howe, decides it's a little too cold to engage. So he leaves the area and does not attack Philly, which is a little weird. He leaves for his gentlemanly retreat to winter quarters, which he's hosting in New York. He's really failing to end the war for a third or fourth time by now. Yeah, he could have done it several times by now. But do you know what, Justin? I think this speaks a little bit to how, how, how got the job anyway. How this is probably all orchestrated by the Freemasons. How did we get here? And it is possible that because both Howe and George were Freemasons, he said, I'll let you go. I'll let you have this one. George will be cool. But more importantly, I just think that Howe was a politically advantageous piece of shit. I think that he had some older brothers that were part of the British Parliament. And I think that's how he fucking got this job. And I think I'll know, I guess, due to some reason. He probably wasn't he wasn't very worried. Oh, he well, he wasn't worried at all because all that he could do anyway, he was not there to conquer. An American people, in my opinion, and this is this is taking a little bit he's of a rabble. putting down. He's a putting, rebel. That's exactly that's exactly it. He's there to put down a rebellion, and he's there to strictly offer peace terms. That is the only thing that he's gotten from British Parliament and from King George the Third. He is just there to put down a rebellion. He is not there to actually like totally conquer the American people. So he keeps doing this thing. Did you know, Justin, I just recently read about this in a book called 1777, written by a guy whose last name is Pancake. That's true. That's a real thing. Pancake? Pancake. Pancake wrote 1777, and he talked about how George even uh, uh, how, sorry, how how even delayed setting off for his America journey from England over the winter because he's like, I'm going to winter quarter here in England. I'm going to hang out here for a little bit. Like yeah, it's, it's totally going to be cool. Winter. Well, of course it's a shitty voyage in winter, but I just think it's really funny that he was like, oh no, I'm just going to hang out for a while. Like I totally got this commission that I didn't deserve and was actually given to somebody else. 
But you know what? I'm going to winter quarter. Time to winter quarter. He has this thing about fucking winter quartering. So how is procrastinating yet again? And I'm with him on that. I winter quarter. I think you should. Well, you're in a specifically. I also spring quarter. Yeah. I, <laughs> I was about to say, what and are you doing now? It's spring outside. It's beautiful. It's summer out now. Is it? Some, it's not officially summer. It's over 90 degrees in Cleveland, Ohio. We're the pool's not, open. We are not in the summer solstice. Oh, I want to come swim. You should. Oh, I'm going to come. I'm going to leave a day early so I could come swim. Okay. You're going to get here on Thursday? Yeah, I'm going to get there on Thursday. Okay. So Hal leaves, and he leaves three Hessian regiments, about 6,000 men, to fortify Trenton over winter. Well, at this point, when there's a bunch of fucking British troops up in Trenton, the residents of Philadelphia are fucking scared out of their fucking mind. So what do all the residents of Philadelphia do? They fucking desert. Because, I mean, like I said previously, the Delaware could freeze over at any moment and allow the British to just walk the fuck on over. They pack up their their cheesesteaks, <laughs> they get their Philly fanatic figurines, and they leave Philly. And they head to the Maryland of Baltimore. Washington wasn't too down, though. He spotted a chance to gain some momentum. And he tells Governor Trumbull of Connecticut on December 14th that a, quote, lucky blow, unquote, would, quote, most certainly rouse the spirits of the people, which are quite sunk by our misfortunes. No fucking joke, George. No fucking joke. He orders Horatio Gates, who had some men. And by the way, I love the name Horatio. I Well, both. I think Horatio and Gates together is a really fun name. Like, that's a fun name. Horatio yeah. Gates. Horatio think- Sands, not so much. <laughs> but Horatio Gates is great. And I think... I think that's the character in uh, The Patriot. Uh, yeah. That's the General Gates they're talking about. Yes, this is, this is the General Gates, I believe, that they're talking about. Played by... Uh, uh, I don't know who plays that, but I, I, I do like... I think it's funny because they make him out to be like who George Washington is. He's a really movie. great actor. He was he's in a good that. actor. Yeah. yeah, I like him. I'm going to look this up right now. Oh, is that the same guy that's in, uh, he's in Harry Potter, right? Not the same guy. Or is it the same guy? I, I'm going to IMDb as well. There are so many people in Harry I, Potter. IMDb break. This episode okay. brought to you by IMDb. Chris Cooper. No, he's Colonel Harry Burwell. Oh, okay. We were all wrong. He's cool. He's cool. He's in Adaptation. Great movie. <laughs> Born Identity. Yeah, he's. I think he's in that. The Born Identity series. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He's the maniacal laugh guy in the Muppets. <laughs> the Jason Siegel Muppets. Which was, a, 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 I think, a superior Muppets. Oh, yeah. This guy's been in a capote. Although I, I recently yeah. watched Treasure Island. That was really good, too. So anyway, the finances of the colonies were in the fucking dumps. They had no fucking money, right? Joseph Reed, Washington's quote-unquote best friend, writes a letter stating, we are all of the opinion, my dear general, that something must be attempted to revive our expiring credit, give our cause some degree of reputation, and prevent a total depreciation of our continental money. So by December 22nd, Washington gathered Lee's troops, which, remember, Lee had been taken away by the British, because he was f- whoring around. 
and he also brings Horatio's troops from northern New Jersey. This gives Washington 7,600 men. But Washington only had 10 days to make a move. Otherwise, enlistments would be over. At this time, Washington was looking specifically down and contemplative, noted officers in his family. Washington also sent correspondence to his brother Samuel stating, quote, I think the game is pretty near up. End quote. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. Shit's getting real. Shit's getting real, real. Like, great, little, little cray-cray, little much. But luckily for Washington, Thomas Paine, Mr. By the way, I went to, I grew up going to school in Painesville. Which, Is that an homage? Is that a homage? Growing up, I totally thought that this was, you know, Thomas Paine, Painesville. <laughs> Turns out, not so much. Uh, you learn something new every day, I guess. There might be a relation to the original Payne family that came to the, the shores of Lake Erie in Ohio, but not so much Thomas. <laughs> Disappointed. I learned that at the age of like 23. Did you cry a little bit? Yeah. I would have. So Thomas Paine, author of Common Sense, again, he wrote 13 essays representing the 13 colonies, and he called these essays, the compilation, The Crisis. Paine was a little dramatic, just as Washington was. It was kind of like patriotic Viagra. It, oh, it made everyone so hard. Washington had these essays read aloud at the camps. And this is a perfect time to remind our audience that most of these guys could not read. Uh, lower, lower end, lower socioeconomic status, probably didn't have any more than a kindergarten or second grade education. So imagine yourself as a soldier in the Continental Army as I read this passage from the crisis. Quote, These are the times that try men's souls. The summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will, in this crisis, shrink from service of their country. But he that stands it now deserves the love and thanks of men and women. That's exactly how I felt yesterday when I went to Scooter's Doghouse, <laughs> which I've taken you to, and I got a, yep. a foot-long hot dog that had jalapenos, cheese sauce, and flaming Hot Cheetos. And, you know, going back to work after eating that really <laughs> that was a lunch. this man's that was soul. Just, yeah, that's rough. That's rough. I'm going to send you now. You just need to let me know when you're going. I'll send you a little... I'll send you a little text on over. I'll give you some encouragement. I'll give you some Thomas Thomas I mean, Payne style four encouragement. Four women from from the office, oh, and we fine. just had a bitch sesh while I ate this ungodly creation of a, a hot dog. Did they all watch and you as you ate? Were they all eating salads? I just imagine them all eating salads. No, while they you're... got they got some uh, some good hot dogs. Oh, right on, right on. I forgot that that the Cleveland women were a more hearty women. Oh, yeah, the ones that I got to go to bitch <laughs> with are, are hardy women. So Washington... One of them is my boss's daughter, so... We'll keep this. Be nice. Hey, everyone on the show, let's keep this on the down low. We don't need to let everybody know what we're talking about in here. It's just us right lovely, now. Lovely, lovely lady. It's just us right now. So Washington begins to plan an attack on the Hessian troops that Howe had left in Trenton. He urges everyone, specifically 
fucking read who was writing to Lee, who was captured. He's like, keep your fucking mouth shut, everyone. If you don't keep your goddamn mouth shut, we're going to be fucking undone before this thing even fucking begins. By the way, Justin, the password, the password is victory or death. Hey, viewers out there, the password is victory or death. So to that, do you know what I have to say? Justin, take her away. Well, nothing says Christian nation, which members in my family insist this United States is a Christian nation. Like a sneak attack on Christmas Day. Nothing like a sneak attack on Christmas Day. Mm. We should make a Christmas carol from that. We should we should seriously write a Christmas carol about the sneak attack. Ooh, and I'm just make it sound joyous and bloody and mm. anyways. Hashins are dead. Hashins are dead. Hashins are dead. Hashins are dead. Off with their heads. <laughs> Stab them in their sleep. That didn't rhyme, but oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. I crossing a river. Oh, I got to cut that Ice out. Ice cubes in the bathwater. Unto us a child is born. So go ye into all the world and kill and Haitians on Jesus' birthday. <laughs> the details of the plan were agreed upon on Christmas Eve, which really is, you got to give it up to Santa Claus these days. He's stepping shit up. Washington and friends had been doing quite a bit of water crossing lately. They're getting very good at this. Pretty good at it. They're very high energy on water crossings. <laughs> I'm feeling Among it. Them, I'm loving it. It's Colonel John Glover. Danny Glover? Do any relation? Probably related. <laughs> Donald Glover? Definitely. <laughs> Shout out to J- Childish Gambino. <laughs> John Glover who made the East River retreat possible. And this is the breakdown of their plans. General James Ewing, also probably a relation to Patrick Ewing, would lead 700 dudes across right at Trent. Colonel John Cadwallader, which I think is a great pronunciation of that name, would cross with 1,500 men, then head north where the Jersey Turnpike is now, towards Trent. The main force of 2,400-plus artillery would cross nine miles north of Trenton. They would then split up. One group led by General Sullivan would take the road closest to the river, while the other group led by Washington would take a higher inland road. They Washington would ideally, taking a higher road, you know. <laughs> we take, they go low, we go high. They would ideally meet outside of Trenton. Like, yeah, right, this is going to work. The plan is agreed upon. Pretty much unanimously. It's unanimously. What? (laughs) Nothing. Go ahead. Pretty much everyone agrees, except for Horatio Gates. Great name. Gates does the whole, I'm too sick to go to school today routine. Then he jumps on a horse and rides for Philadelphia (laughs) to get Congress to stop the whole thing. Dick move. Horatio. Yeah, no, that's a total dick move. That's That's not something that a guy named Horatio should be doing, you know? No. Not my, that's not my Horatio. <laughs> Hashtag not my Horatio. <sighs> Washington wanted to arrive at Trenton by 5 a.m. the day after Christmas. Some of his men, as we've mentioned, didn't have fucking shoes. This made the snow red, which is less cool than yellow snow. I think that it's okay to eat red snow. 
I'll, I'll eat any I'll eat any color snow. I mean, don't don't eat brown snow. Don't oh. eat yellow snow. That's the Alaskan pipeline snow. You definitely Take your don't chances get on red that. snow. Yeah, I could. Yeah, that could be good. There could be strawberry. I'm not a expert on bloodborne pathogens, but you know, live a <laughs> They need to successfully get over the river by sundown. Then make the nine mile march to Trenton in the dock. No flashlights. No flashlights. Only torches. The soldiers didn't know where they were going. It was all super secret. George basically told them to shut the fuck up and warned that failure to shut the fuck up and stay in line would be payable by death. Victory or death. George sounds a little desperate, <laughs> but I don't, I don't really blame him considering the circumstances. He knows that <laughs> colonies probably won't <laughs> continue after if he loses the shit. The war, the war will stop if he's not successful in this like kind of crazy trick shot. It's less than ideal, that's for sure. It's not an ideal move. And really, he's, he's going to get caught and killed if it goes wrong. And they're probably going to rape Martha and <laughs> Mount Vernon down to the ground and probably move the slaves to someone that was loyal to the crown. We free slaves. We free men. <laughs> Washington crosses the river at dusk ahead of his troops. He then orders the crossing operation via the voice of Henry Knox, who apparently had some pipes. Oh. He's like, uh, you know, insert Lord of the Rings reference. The crossing <laughs> was about 800 feet and relied heavily on fishermen under that command. That doesn't of- seem that far, though. 800 feet. I feel like I could do that. Yeah. Well, shut up. <laughs> and relied heavily on fishermen under command of John Glover. In addition to 2,400 men, most who could not swim, they need around or 400 tons of big gun and a bunch of horses to cross. Cold, windy, rainy, and sleety weather turned into snow and hail as they crossed. That's kind of a metaphor for my life. <laughs> Things have been rough, guys. Remember that much of the I'm attack's success... I'm here for you, success, Justin. I'm here for you. It's fine. Mm, much of this attack's success mm. rides on timing. So this bad weather slowing them down is no bueno. That's Mexican. <laughs> those who didn't know. In hindsight, Washington explains, I well knew we could not reach it before day was fairly broke. But as I was certain there was no making retreat without being discovered and harassed on repassing the river, I determined to push at all events. Chernow described it as, Brilliant daring combined with a large measure of outright desperation. So how did they do on keeping to the schedule? They overshot their goal of being across by midnight by just three hours. And it took an additional hour to get everything ready for the last leg of the trip, a nine-mile march to Trenton. No, Kaz, since they didn't have walkie-talkies, George had no idea what was going on at the other two operations. And by now, the other two operations had deemed their crossing impossible and assumed that Washington would also give up. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. JK. JK. H-A-L-L. Get out. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, 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 no. When the grandma. That was such a weird movie. Washington and his company trekked down a dark, shitty path in the snow and hail and bloody snow. 
While no one died crossing the water, a couple soldiers, maybe more, dropped off and froze to death in their tauntauns <laughs> before reaching the first marker. They did. Something that they omitted from the presentation at Mount Vernon, I noted. That was cut right out. They wanted his victory to be flawless. It was flawless. It was perfect. It was huge. It was huge. Okay. The company came upon a deep fissure that they would have to somehow roll the heavy guns over. Cherno writes, On horseback, Washington was directing their movements when the hind legs of his horse buckled and began to skid down the ice-covered slope. His men then saw the greatest horseman of his age and an equestrian tour de force. Twining his fingers through the horse's mane, Washington yanked his large head upright with all his might. At the same time, he rocked and shifted his weight backward in the saddle until the horse regained its equilibrium. The amazing feat happened in the blink of an eye. Then the, artil- then the artillery movement continued. Hey, Justin. <laughs> I love how he ended that. Then the artillery yeah, yeah. continued. Let me tell Justin, I'm fucking rock hard right now. Like just, that's the, one of my yeah. favorite stories of George Washington. It gets me rock hard every time. He's like, oh, I just almost died. Keep the gun going. <laughs> <laughs> like, hey, guys, I almost fell down a ravine. I don't know Keep if you noticed. Keep their cannons moving. <laughs> Leto DiCaprio's character in The Revenant would have definitely fallen down the ravine, ending the war. They're about halfway through the march when the sun begins to rise around 6 a.m. So this is already an hour after they had planned to all be outside of Trenton. This is where the company splits up, one continuing on the high road, the other on the low road. George takes the grueling high road with Green when he receives a message from Sullivan, essentially telling him that his men now have soaked and useless guns, to which Washington basically replies that he hopes they have bayonets ready to use. (laughs) Pretty badass. You're not going to ruin this for me. That's what he's saying. So, moving along. The day before the Trenton attacks, General Adam Stephen, two first names again, he totally fucks everything up. Which is funny because this guy eventually gets kicked out of the military in October 1777 for being drunk at the time of battle, causing a little friendly fire. I mean, it's just, it's like a little friendly fire, no big deal, whatever. So anyway, this, this Adam Stephen, two first names, sends 50 troops to scout ahead of his movements. And these troops ran into some fucking Hessian troops. Remember, fucking victory or death. Let's not fucking tell anyone what we're fucking doing. Meanwhile, drunky McDrunkerson General Adam Stephen is sending out some people into the fucking woods that run into some Hessians. And George sees these troops after they've run into some Hessians He hears of the skirmish with the Hessians, and he was really fucking afraid that the whole thing had been undone. They just alerted the Hessians to an impending attack. You're not just having 50 men walk about in the woods randomly. One would assume that that would only be for an impending attack. Washington freaks out, and he says to Captain George Wallace, who was leading this party, You, sir! You, sir, may have ruined all my plans by having put them on their guard. The weather was really bad that day. So maybe it was a friendly fire thing. Maybe it wasn't. Whatever. But troops begin to emerge, colonial troops, 
begin to emerge from the woods around Trenton at 8 o'clock in the morning. Washington was amazed at the valor of his troops. He reported to Hancock that the troops, quote, seemed to vie with the other to press forward. Like a race to glory or death. Like, you know, glory or death. They're racing each other. That's fun, right? So Knox starts this whole thing off by raining heavy fire down on Trenton. And he forced the Hessian gunners to abandon their post. The Hessians are like, knocks it off. Knock, but um, but um, that's actually a really fucking good joke. That's really good. So Hessian Colonel Rall tries to mobilize some of his troops in an apple orchard while all this attack is going down. Washington sees that he's doing this and immediately placed troops on high ground nearby. Washington was being a fucking badass. Saying from his perch on his horse, quote, March on, my brave fellows, after me! I imagine that it's his horse is like galloping away and he's just like kind of like getting into it. So Hessian Colonel Rao was basically filled with bullets at some point and had to be carried off to a church for safety. Washington went to the church that he was staying at and had a little sit down with Rawl on his deathbed. As you do one general to another, you know. After talking with Rawl, Washington ordered all the Hessian prisoners to be treated honorably. As you do, George. As you fucking do. Historian George Trevelyan tells it best, quote, It may be doubted whether so small a number of men ever employed so short a space of time with greater, more everlasting effect upon the history of the world. It's pretty fucking tight. In total, 22 Hessians were killed, 84 wounded, and nearly 900 captured, with about 500 or so escaping to safety, versus uh, two American deaths in this whole thing, including the people that froze to fucking death. Well, actually, there's a little bit more. I think there. that was all all deaths by fro deaths by Disney's Frozen. Frozen. Uh, couldn't watch it more than 15 minutes. Just kidding. I saw the whole thing. It was great. So I'm gonna put my little MythBusters hat on. Because a lot of people think the Hessians were really drunk, and that's what caused their downfall in this situation. However, in all actuality, the Hessians were probably just really tired. Their generals and their officers had been drilling them all day. They knew the Americans were going to attack. They kept hearing about an imminent attack upon their location, so they were very much on alert. The really funny part about this whole thing to me is, in all actuality, the Americans were the drunk ones. After the battle, of course, they won, and then they raided all the fucking rum supplies. And we see which can't little, be helped because they've been through a hellish. Yeah, they're like fuck this. March. They're like fuck this. Our feet have been frozen. We're fucking cold. Like fuck you, Washington. We're gonna get our fucking rum. We're gonna do this. So. We see a turnaround a little bit in Washington because Washington sees these men fight so bravely. He begins to shed the idea that winning this war would be impossible with these men, which was pretty much what he initially thought. He thought they were all bullshit. So what does he do? He has the spoils of war, the bounty, 
split amongst all of the men equally. And then what does he do also? He gives these guys more rum, which is pretty fucking crazy, right? Replace that with vodka and we've got a communist revolution going on. (laughs) He crosses back over the Delaware and kind of heads to this rallying point just north of Philadelphia that you were talking about. On December 27th, he experiences what you could call a fucking extraordinary day. So the 25th, he's invading Hessians, takes them over. 26th, he's getting the business of getting his soldiers and their soldiers that he's captured back together. And then on the 27th, Congress, after being lobbied by General Greene, granted Washington unprecedented powers, allowing him to muster troops by paying bounties, commandeering provisions, which had not been allowed up until this point, and arresting vendors that did not accept the continental currency for the next six months. So he was allowed to pretty much do whatever the fuck he wanted to win this war for the next six months. This is unprecedented, very seriously, because ne- like the idea is that the people, the Congress, is in charge of all the movements, and George Washington is carrying out their final thoughts and ideas on the war. Well, what happens? They give him pretty much ultimate power. The power that Lee, General Lee, was seeking, they give those to Washington. Green said of Washington that, quote, there never was a man that might be more safely trusted. And I think they were kind of fucking right. And Washington went all Cincinnatus yet again on the situation and promised to lay down these potential tools of a despot the moment that they were not necessary. On the morning of the 27th, he continues to get more good news. General John Caldwater crossed from Jersey to Pennsylvania with all of his men, an extra 1,800 men. He was supposed to be there the day before to assist with the attack, but the river froze and impeded the movement of his artillery, so he wasn't able to come to the Christmas party. Washington was feeling bold at the refreshment of troops, and on December 28th, Washington ordered militia in New Jersey to harass the retreating enemy's rear, something Howe never did. However, maybe he should have. And on December 29th, 1776, Washington embarks on his third crossing of the Delaware to Trenton. This time there were eight crossing points. Most of Washington's army this time was crossing. There was a little extra danger because there was a fresh sheet of ice that had frozen over before. So it took until December 30th, 1776, that everyone made their way across, which actually, when you come to think about it, was a really convenient way to trap your troops and keep them enlisted. Because remember, enlistments were up on New Year's Day. Washington wanted to do one more push. So he moves all of his men to another side of a river where they could not easily retreat. And at some point during the day, Washington lined up the troops, all of them, and eventually began to beg each regiment to stay, offering it. He, he showed them all individually that he his was penis. his penis, that he was a real man. And that's how it made its his way. His perfect penis. And that's how it's. 
And that's how it made its way onto the back of the Declaration of Independence, which Justin and I are going to treasure hunt someday. Yeah, prove us wrong. Prove us Prove wrong. us wrong. Show me. Show me. So a sergeant recalled Washington saying, quote, Our services were greatly needed and that we could do more for our country than we could ever do at any future date. And in the most affectionate manner entreated us to stay. Now, Chernot points out that Washington, a Virginian patriarch, was affectionately speaking to farmers, shoemakers, weavers, carpenters, and he treated them as comrades instead of a nuisance like we've seen previously, although he wasn't totally above trapping them on the wrong side of the river to help his odds, he still was treating them as gentlemen. Crazy enough, he didn't actually even make any of these men sign a roll. This is a really interesting story. The time came to take a roll of all the volunteers that would stay, the volunteers that were going to get an extra $10 bounty for their time in the next month or two. All these men, he starts calling the roll, right? And these men are like, well, I don't know if I should do it or not, right? Like, I don't know if I'm going to stay here and fight this war with this George Washington. And then one of them says, I will. And then finally, a few of the other men in the regiment say, I also will. And so from this group, Washington gets 200 men to commit themselves to staying. And he continues to move regiment to regiment to regiment. In all, Washington would get 3,000 men to stay and serve out an extra six months. And like I said, Washington would not make them sign a pledge to stay. He took them at their word. Their word is gentlemen. Washington desperately needed these men for an attack that he learned about from some captured British dragoons. The British wanted Trenton back, and the Hessians were disgraced and pretty fucking pissed off. Their leader, Colonel von Dunop, decreed that there would be no fucking taking of prisoners this time. It was fucking real. They were going to just kill everyone because they were caught with their pants down. So at sundown in Trenton on January 2nd, 1777, Washington spotted the vanguard of Major General Cornwallis. Cornwallis had actually been granted leave by his commanding officer, William Howe, when the Battle of Trenton went down. So what Cornwallis is Cornwallis was such a great character and he really is a patriot. Actually, he really was because he's a bumbling fucking idiot. Although I think that in the Patriot, Cornwallis actually plays Hal, which is really weird. Right? Like, well, uh, no, because I feel no, like I feel like this, the two none of this characters takes are very place confused. in the Patriot. At the end, it does. No, they're they're in the South, the Deep South. Yeah, I guess you're right. Which is where he was sent eventually. Played by the great Tom Wilkinson. It's a good movie. Let, write, write us on Facebook if you read the movie, other than our one crazy fan. I'm sure she's seen it. Um, our fangirl? Yeah, our fucking fangirl. Whatever your name is. Hold on, I'm going to pull it up so I can say it. Should I say it on air? I want to see what her name is. Say her first name. I, I don't know what her name is. I'll have to look it up later. I put up some ads today. Did you see that? I did. Oh, I think it's doing well. We're going to do well with that ad. Shout out to Ray. Ooh, Ray Harris, thank you for being a fan of the show. We really love you. Like, seriously. And if you haven't, go listen to 
Is it a World War II podcast as well as Cold War podcast? A Life, Life of Caesar. Caesar, my yeah. favorite. Yeah. They mentioned me a lot. I was recently re-listening to some episodes and they kept mentioning me and I'm like, oh my God, these guys are fucking crazy. Mary. Her name is Mary. Mary, Mary, quite contrary. Mary, who are you and why are you, why do you keep sending us messages? And thank you, actually, like overall, you should email us, contact at POTUS.life. Email me. I'll talk to you. I'll send you a mug. So Write us a review. Yeah, Mary. Mary, Mary if you're going to. Less videos, more reviews. Yeah, Mary, if you're going to take the time to send us constant fucking messages that I won't have time to answer. You better find your way to fucking iTunes and leave us a little review. I would love that for sure. And get all your friends to leave us reviews and listen to the show. So anyway, no, I say Mary, continue <laughs> to send us anything you want because you, you're our number one fan. You are our Mel. <laughs> From Flight of the Concords. <laughs> and I'm totally fine with that. I'm also fine with it. I'm pretty pretty all right with it. Where we were at in the storyline is Trenton, January 2nd, 1777. Washington spotting the Cornwallis vanguard. Who, like I was just saying, Cornwallis had to... He kind of wanted to head out for a little bit. And Hal was like, fucking, you're not leaving when this shit's like this. So Cornwallis brings 5,500 men to his New Year's Eve party. And they're going to go back to Trenton. Now, I kind of, I brought up a little map. I wanted to yet again describe Trenton. Because there's a lot that's going on. I'm going to post this up on Facebook. So get your fucking ass over to Facebook because we post some pretty good land drawings there. And what ha- what's happening is Washington kind of lets... So there's this Y. There's this Assen Pink, Assen Pink Creek, and then there's the Delaware River, and then they Y, and then they they both kind of dump down into the Delaware River. That's going to continue to go south. So at the so at the bottom of Trenton, there's there's a little bridge that's crossing crossing the Assen Pink River, and Washington on the other side of this bridge. Across the river and of Assen Pink Creek, well, across Assen Pink Creek on this bridge, stations all of his men. He's going to line all of his men up. And he's kind of just going to let the British fucking come into Trenton because he knows that Cornwallis has way more men and they're definitely way more trained than what he can handle. So George lies his men up. And the Hessian troops begin to barrel down the two main roads that actually converge onto this bridge that are called King and Queen Street, which are the two main streets. And as I said, they run parallel with the bridge. American snipers begin to pick off these Hessians as they're running down these two streets towards the bridge. Advanced American forces that were still in the city began to back up and attempt to cross the bridge to gain safety. And there was a moment when it looked like continental troops in Trenton weren't moving towards the bridge fast enough. So Washington being a fucking badass, he's fucking re- he, he had a wonderful Christmas party. So he's ready to share some fucking love. He hops on his horse 
And we get this wonderful account from Private John Howland. And it goes, The noble horse of General Washington stood with his breast pressed close against the rail, close against the west rail of the bridge, and firm, composed, and majestic countenance of a general inspired confidence and assurance in a moment so important and critical. In this passage across the bridge, it was my fortune to be next to the west rail, and arriving at the end of the bridge rail, I was pressed against the shoulder of the general's horse and in contact with the general's boot. The horse stood as firm as the rider and seemed to understand that he was not quite, that he was not to quit his post and station. That's fucking powerful because imagine, imagine this. You have a bunch of fucking Hessians running at you. And you're the only thing separating you from these Hessians is a pretty fucking frozen waterway with a bridge across it. And your general is standing at the west pole of that bridge telling you guys to fucking hold this goddamn line. That is intense imagery. And blood looks really intense in, in the winter. In the snow. Oh my gosh. Just imagine snow and ice so there, blood. Yeah, there was my favorite snow, kind of blood. There was snow everywhere. There was ice everywhere. And Washington forces his men to stand their ground on the southern on the southern half of this bridge. As the British for hours are pounding this fucking bridge, going, We're gonna fucking come across there and we're gonna fucking we're gonna whoop your ass, George. We're going to hang you for sure. The Americans were outnumbered. Remember, Washington had about 3,000 men, and Cornwallis had about 5,500. George's men were getting better at battle, but they weren't that good yet. And this was a pretty fucking gruesome scene. I can imagine that if it weren't for George standing there firmly, holding this position as his men are running across the bridge, and then just... Covering suppressive fire, suppressive fire across this bridge. <laughs> that I, I could just imagine that scene. Like he's such a powerful, powerful, almost godlike figure, right? George Washington. It's getting late, and Cornwallis knew he had him. So he decides he was going to go to bed for the night. It was over. We'll get George in the morning. One of Cornwallis's officers stated, quote, if Washington is the general I take him to be, he will not be found in the morning. Right? I mean, Washington... I don't think so, gringo. Drop your weapons! I'm serious! I will shoot this guy right now! <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? Pew! Pew! <laughs> <laughs> Stop pressing! Stop Cyril. Woo! <laughs> <laughs> I love Cyril. <laughs> C- Cyril Figgis. Cyril Figgis. <laughs> so Cornwallis was sure that he had, quote, this old fox. Washington knew he had to get the fuck out. He knew he couldn't cross the Delaware. 
It was too cold and there were some massive ice floats endangering the safety of his men. So at a war council later that night, George and his generals and officers decided to slip away in the night, take an unfrequented back road, which I don't know how that works out because I feel like the British were going to be fucking everywhere regardless. And he had planned to confront Cornwallis from his side or the flank, as we call it, instead of straight on. And this flank just so happened to be positioned at a place called Princeton. Take it away. So going back, a little rewinding. To the bridge. Three times those dirty British and Haitians tried to take that bridge. Scoundrels. Scoundrels. And three times the American patriots threw the masses back. They said not By the end of daylight. Not today. Not today. Not today. So by the end of daylight, the British had lost hundreds, but they still outnumbered the colonials significantly. Cornwallis decided to wait until the next morning to attack the position. Washington knows he cannot stay and wait to be surrounded at daylight. He also knows that trying to cross the Delaware and retreat could be costly as the conditions of the river had moistened. Did so, you say moistened or moistened? Moistened, not moistened, moistened. <laughs> so under the advice of his generals, he decides to move around Cornwallis' force and sneak north to attack Princeton. Oh, these Ivy League uppity liberals. Let's kill them. Kill them. Big balls at work here. This maneuver takes Washington deeper into enemy territory. Here they risk being outright crushed or, or trapped at the least. They're up to their old secret retreat tricks. Making a bunch of noise to sound like they're digging in, lighting a bunch of fires, and not telling the troops what is going on until it's time to move. It was about a 12-mile hike to Princeton, which is rough for men in the cold who were probably looking forward to getting some sleep after bridge battling all day. That's a new activity. Bridge battling. Bridge bat- oh, sorry, I didn't mean to yell at you. Bridge battling. They split into two groups just south of the King's College town. Sullivan leading the first group northeast while Green took his just regular north. At the same time, Lieutenant Colonel Charles Mahood was bringing two British regiments to swell Cornwallis's army at Trenton. Well, these British regiments run into General Hugh Mercer's Continental Force in a field outside of Princeton. They bayonet the shit out of the Americans. Mercer is knocked off his horse, and the Brits mistake him for Washington, jeer at him to beg for mercy, then bayonet him about seven times. And if they had been really Washington, he would have showed them his dick and they would have all died. Just that big old dick. That big it would have been like dick. opening the Ark of the Covenant. And they would just, just their flesh, faces would flesh have melting and skulls. Like we can see their skulls yeah. like just left nice over. Nice try, British. That's not Washington. <laughs> so Green gets wind of the shit and sends some dudes to help Mercer and friends. Well, in this confusing circumstances, Green's men end up crashing into Mercer's retreating men. And it's a real clusterfuck. The British are ready to do some more bayonet action. Some more hot bayonet action. 
but goddammit, it, Washington on his big white horse races to the colonial rabble, gives a quick set of inspirational instructions, organizes, and leads a charge. The whole time, Colonel John Fitzgerald is like holding his head over his eyes because he was so sure Washington was going to get shot. But Washington emerges untouched and comforted a sniveling Fitzgerald, saying, Away, my dear colonel, and bring up the troops. The day is our own. This is badass. At this point, Washington is all giddy. He's riding his horse, which he loves, and saying shit like, It's a fine fox chase, my boys. It's a fine. They really did like, they were into the fox chase metaphor for sure. Yeah, and I'm sure... Fox chasing was so hot. And I'm sure that 36 dead Americans would have disagreed. But the British sustained a heavy loss of 500 casualties, plus another 200 or so captured. Alexander Hamilton, Alexander Hamilton, is said to have artillery the shit out of the college's main hall. And, uh, you know, because he tried to graduate early and all that. And also decapitated a King George II portrait with a cannonball. Good story, Hamilton. Didn't show up in the musical. The Americans, high on victory and cocaine, started to do the usual plundering while Washington did his usual. No bad plunderers. Bad. No. No. The American Revolution had been on the brink of destruction just two weeks ago. Now they're on a little winning streak. Morale is high and all that good stuff. Washington goes from borderline suicidal to you've got a stew going. Do you see me more as the respected dramatic actor or more of the beloved comic actor? Whoa, 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 whoa. There's still plenty of meat on that bone. You take this home, throw it in a pot, add some broth, a potato. Baby, you got a stew going. I think I'd like my money back. Chernow notes that even Frederick the Great, king of Prussia, was pumped for George Washington, saying, The achievements of Washington and his little band of compatriots between the 25th of December and the 4th of January, a space of 10 days, were the most brilliant of any recorded in the nails of military achievement. That's high fucking praise coming out of Prussia. Although, you know, probably a little exaggerated. But at the same time, this window certainly says something about Washington's ability to react to diversity and be a sneaky son of a bitch. He kicked ass for a couple weeks. You know, the next five years are going to be a little rough on him, but this <laughs> was his time. Time to shine, George. Get it now. This was Get George's time. Can. They deserted Princeton. Marched another 15 miles north before they could get some sleep after fighting for over two days with no rest. Well, that looks like a a good spot to wrap up this episode of Washington Kicking Ass. So, if you have any comments or suggestions for us personally, feel free to contact us at contact at potus.life. That's C O N T A C T at P-O-T-U-S dot L-I-F-E. And Please also, rate and review. Yeah, go to fucking iTunes. Come on, guys. We got to get this show going. Tell a friend. We'll give you a fucking mug if you go leave us a fucking review on iTunes. And it's worthy. If we read it on this fucking show, you're going to get a fucking mug. We've given some mugs away already. Believe it or not, actually. 
But yeah, I mean, you know, go check us out. Also, we have a new Patreon that we'll be starting and we're going to try to kind of crowdsource some fucking monies for this thing. So loosen up those pocketbooks. Say hey, hi, hello. You know, give me your money. That's all I got. Washington, Washington, six foot eight weighs a fucking ton. Opponents beware, opponents beware. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Let me lay it on the line, he had two on the vine. I mean two sets of testicles, so divine. On a horse made of crystal, he patrolled the land. With the mason ring and trouser in his perfect hands. Here comes George, in control. Women dug his snuff and his gallant stroll. Eight opponents' brains. And invented cocaine. He's coming, he's coming, he's coming. Washington.